This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. You got your undies hanging out of your ringer. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. Earbuds laying Earbuds. around the house. The worst. Yeah. Friggin' worst. Been in multiple people's ears. Oh, I can feel the the white. The white is it's ba- like even just the white cable is kind of now like yellowed. It's barely white anymore. It's more like beige. Yep. Sort of a tannish, and you don't, for the love of God, look inside the opening. <laughs> oh. No. And now that opening is just pointing right at my eardrum. Little pieces are falling out inside my ear canal. Ugh. Ugh. I hate earbuds. (sighs) Well, you've made it. You're here. That's good. Yeah, I guess. Makes me feel good. I guess. Not in the... It's it's all worth it. ...manner in which I would have liked to have been here, but I'm here. But you're here. So that's the important. Let's thing. do it. Okay. We didn't count it down last time. It doesn't matter. Let's not bother. Let's just go. All right. I think that's at this point you. we just go. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> so it's episode fifty-nine. Significant episode. I see. Mathematically significant, at least. Right. Numerically and mathematically speaking, a milestone. Perhaps. Perhaps. Although, is there really anything significant about, like, finishing something halfway? Do you ever feel good about that? <laughs> I got, I, I got um, halfway done with my cheesesteak. You know, I half finished a movie one time. It's not that great. It's really kind of um, shitty, honestly. Yeah. I feel you're, you're coming up with a rebuttal of sorts, which will probably no, frustrate no. me. But I mean, you know, humans like to mark these things. 59 is a prime number. Yes, it is. Is it not? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Although not only that, you... but it's a Pillai prime. What does that mean? I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that means it is one of the factors that divides the smallest composite Euclid number. Look at that. I just did a little scribble on an app. You're right. Yes. (laughs) There it is. Wow. Shit. I didn't even know that. Wow. I had to confirm it with my napkin and my my pencil, which I do have. I I feel sort of obligated to mention this, though. And we can go back to the the, uh, composite Euclid... um, Thing so a there is bit. a website called is.59.aprimenumber.com. <laughs> how can they, how could anyone suggest that it's not? And it says, yep, 59 is a prime number. No, wait, it's evenly divisible by four. Oh, no, wait, I was right the first time. It's prime. <laughs> That's the website? That's the website. And you found that How? I googled it's 59 a prime number because I started to get nervous that maybe it wasn't. Well, boy, that'd have to be a real weird number 
But it, yeah, I was like, well, not, what could it be divided by? Then I realized I'm like horrible at math, especially division. Right. And it's like, maybe. Because, you know, 15 times like four, three 60. times something. Like, I don't know. No, it's not there. It has a nine in there, but. Yeah. Right. But uh, pencil. But apparently they have one of these sites for every single number. Does, is the dialogue the same every time? So I just clicked on, is 51 a prime number? It says, nope, 51 ain't prime. Not that it's any of your business. Is that all you needed to know? Isn't homework easy? Thanks, Internet. So someone is just gobbling up these domain names to do this? Well, it's all a aprimenumber.com, and oh, they I have see. one for, like, is blank aprimenumber.com. That'll keep you busy for a while, you know? You could have a lot of web pages yep. devoted to is that. Is 42 a prime number? No, 42 is not a prime number. It is, however, the answer. Why is it the answer? That's from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I read that like 25 years ago. Yes. So I don't remember. 42 is the answer. Hmm. Is that what the, like, the mice and the dolphins were saying or something? Yeah, well, the entire universe ended up was just like a machine built by some something. It's really just a giant computer. So we're all just components in this giant computer that's been crunching um, on this problem. And eventually, and the answer, it eventually comes up with the answer. The answer is 42. That's the answer to the universe. It's always... But no one remembers what the question is. We were talking about Sirens at Titan the other night. And, like, you always have these... Like, that's a device they use. In, you know, some of my favorite books, but it's like... It's a very complex thing distilled down to like this ultra simple answer right. that is mystifying in itself. But yes. I don't want to do any spoilers for Sirens of Titan. I know it's been out for yeah. a long time, but I feel like that book in particular, there is no statute of limitations. I'll never spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it. All right. It, so. Thanks. Because I might actually read that one day. Are you kidding me? Come on. I'm not kidding. Full of I shit. might actually do it. I read. You um, read that? No, I never read it. What? I haven't read a. I have not read a whole lot of Kurt Vonnegut, to be honest. However, a couple years ago, I thought you read the important ones at least. Well, I, a couple years ago, I read Breakfast of Champions for the first time. For the first time. However, the fact that I read a a book, yeah, a work book, of fiction, and you held it. Now, did you read it on like a device, or did you have? A I read book? it on a device. Oh, okay. Because I was, I was flying somewhere, and I was like, you know, I need something to read on the airplane, and I like went bloop and like downloaded it from the, I guess it was iBooks. I you're, before I got on the plane. You're an asshole! I'm so jealous of you. So you got to read that like in your 30s for the first time. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I thought it was amazingly awesome. <laughs> it's amazingly awesome. <laughs> this is really why I don't good. read books. What book am I supposed to read after shit like that, you know? Yeah, it was really good. It was really damn good. So I'm like, all right. Like, I'm I'm quite famously, like, don't read books. At least works of fiction I don't read. Um, so wait, what Vonnegut did you... Because you read some of those, I thought. But you didn't read Breakfast of Champions or Sirens of Titan? No. What had you read? Slaughterhouse-Five or something? I kind of read Cat's Cradle. Kind of read Cat's Cradle. Sometimes, you know, I just don't know you. 
Yeah, I know. Like the music, like your music that you listen to. I just, I don't know what it is. The books. Can you see the music I listen to? Once in a while on Spotify. On Spotify? Because I thought like I turned all that off because I didn't want anyone knowing what I listened to. Well, this was a while ago. But it's I mean, disappointing. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. I know you're a big Nicki Minaj fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very much true. Very much true. Yes. Um, You know, I'm not the biggest <laughs> Nicki fan. <laughs> Maybe I can see the appeal. I don't know. <laughs> Nicki Minaj. I just I'm like, well... <laughs> I guess I gotta dial up some Nicki Minaj and see what this is about now. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Brad's jamming out to Nicki Minaj. All right. Yeah, Ooh, big time. Big time, yeah. Big, big time, time, actually. Listen, pencil, please. Pencils, Brad. Pencils, this is an obligation. You can talk about Nicki Minaj for the rest of the podcast, but I gotta... I gotta go back. It's a bit of a revisit. Okay. Space pencils. So the the whole story is NASA developing the space right. program. They needed a pen that would write in space. Yes. And so they spent all these millions of dollars, whatever, developing a pen. And they succeeded from all I could find out. They actually succeeded in some sort of like, I don't know how they did it. It was some anti-gravity pen that would write. So the ink would flow out the tip and they could write. And the story goes that the Russians were just like, we'll use a pencil. That's not a Russian accent. It's best I could do. Yeah, that was kind of like a... I don't know what that Italian, was. Italian, Greek, Russian? Yeah. Who live like Northern Italian, perhaps. I don't know. So fine, right? That's the simple answer that just couldn't, couldn't occur to the NASA engineers. But the more I, I looked into it and... They had a reason for not wanting to use a pencil because little bits of graphite would kind of shear off the tip and be floating around inside the space vehicle. And there was the potential for those little bits of graphite to get into like little electrical workings and possibly, possibly like start a fire or some sort of short circuit. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want that to happen. They didn't want to take pencils. So I just thought, and I don't know if any of it's true, but... Well, so, yeah, so I've heard the same story. So I heard the story, yes, you know, that was the, I don't know, the story of, I guess, the American bureaucratic right. hubris or something, right? That we spent all these millions of dollars and all these years developing a space pen. Right. And the Russians just used a pencil. And I heard that, you know, for years. That was the story. And I guess I believed it. I didn't have any re real reason to, like, doubt it. Well, you hear but it. But then I heard. It makes sense, you know. Oh, that that was bullshit, and the Americans just used pencils, too. They both used pencils. That was just a bullshit story. And I was mm. like, oh, okay, debunked. I thought it was a little, maybe a little trumped up. Mm -hmm. Wait, then which I one? The debunking or the original? The, the original. Okay. The million-dollar yeah, yeah. space pen. We right, could just right. use a pencil. Yeah. Then I heard, no, that we, they didn't use pencils. The same thing you said. Right. Because that, that, that was a hazard in space. And I can totally understand that after being... In space, um, in space, several times <laughs> right. after well, I was gonna say, largest yeah, man ever in space. I wasn't in space, but I did visit the Kennedy Space Center once. So okay, all right. But you know, again, being a very mild space program enthusiast, I've always admired the amazing care that goes into everything they do. Ugh. 
And I can, you know, and I can totally respect and totally get the fact that like, yes, the fact that that pencil tip could break off well, you, be flown around the cabin. Well, right, and you sharpen like, it, you know. There's no effing way they'd let that fly. Absolutely not. You can't have random particles, especially yeah. not ones that are, well, I don't know anything about graphite, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you, but it does seem like something that wouldn't mesh too well with electronics and little, you know, cavities and little places where it could get wedged in. It just seems like a bad idea when everything it has to be just so unlike dialed in and tuned just so so the true story oh you have the no is this because of your extended time at the kennedy space center that you have the true story i have this just because this is something that has i've wondered about myself as a mild space enthusiast yeah so before i give the actual story to our listeners which would be nice because you can maybe actually learn a little something from this podcast. <laughs> if you don't actually know, maybe you already know, maybe you don't, What's but at least we'll set the story straight. We won't just leave it hanging out there. Is that you didn't bring Unless this up the first time. Unless we forget to come back to it after this detour, which is totally Because I brought to. this up like 30 episodes ago and you didn't say anything then. I think maybe, maybe it was, well, I just went to this space center in like October. All right. Maybe it was before that. So maybe it was before that. So let me ask this. All right. So well, let me let me go back. Go back. Remind me. This is why. This is the detour. Why did you bring this up? I forgot why you brought this up. Because I had told this bullshit like, oh, the Americans made the million dollar space pen. Okay, and so you're like, just setting the record straight. Right, I was setting the record straight, but I only brought it up. I didn't bring it up like as this awesome thing I'd heard. I brought it up because that was a story they told in the movie Pie. And I had never heard it before the movie Pie. And I think, I don't know, we were just talking about movies or something. Okay. Yeah. But I, I assumed it I was rem- true. You know? Yeah, I remember the story being told in an episode of The West Wing, which I think probably, it was an early episode. And I think that maybe led, led to that story's resurgence somewhat. So what actually happened, <laughs> I, as I'm, best I can piece I'm dying together, to know. is that, yes, the... So all the stories are kind of true, except for one fact. So yes, the Russians used a pencil. And yes, the, the U.S. astronauts also used a pencil at first. But it was dangerous. They didn't like no. that the pencil tips could break off and float around. So they wanted a better solution. And they wished, and they kind of decided, well, we have to find a ballpoint pen that's going to work in space. now. The thing that's kind of weird is some guy on his own just, like, solved this problem. Some, like, pen entrepreneur took it upon himself to create a pen that would work in space. And then brought it to NASA and said, hey, look, I have these pens I developed. They're like, that was great. We'll take 10. And that was the story. That's how it worked. I'm looking up. Yeah, here it is. This legend was referenced in an episode of NBC's The West Wing TV series, We Killed Yamamoto, original air date, 15 May 2002. This is on, uh, this is on uh, Snopes.com. So anyway, lesson, you can't, you don't always know what, uh, what's true. You gotta look this, look this shit up sometimes. So there's another question, you know. Uh, speaking of prime numbers, is 69 a prime number? Nope, not prime. 
pervert. I heard none of that. That's all right. <laughs> so there was no, um, yeah. So it's not that like uh, NASA spent billions of dollars to develop a pen as some of these like urban legends say, like they say like 12 billion or something crazy. Um, but this guy, Paul C. Fisher, he just like kind of on his own created one. He took it upon himself as like a, a some sort of pen innovator, pen entrepreneur. A pen. He man. developed a pen that would work in space and then sent the samples to NASA and was like, hey, look, I, I invented this pen. I think you might be interested. And NASA was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Was it we'll, pressurized? We'll, we'll buy 10 of them. Like hydraulic or something? Um, I think it was just, it was like pressurized somehow. Yeah. Hmm. So. So they bought 10 for $1 million? Something like that. Right. No, I don't know how many they actually bought, but yeah. All right. So I'm not entirely sure what motivated Fisher, if it was just like this was maybe his, he saw, saw a need. Like he was thinking like, you know, by the year 1995, the market for space pens is going to be out of this world. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's going to need them because everyone's just going to be like flying up to the moon and back, like commuting and everything. Or he just maybe like a patriot and was like, you know, I'm going to help out the American space race with this. And I know how to do it because I'm a pen master. I don't know. I think that's exactly more of like what Might it need is. More research. I think that's probably what it is, because during that time, like the space race was a thing like that was huge you know yeah. i mean think about it we're sending people into space brad space to the well, moon we were well it was big because everyone thought whoever won the space race was going to conquer the planet right was going to be united states or russia who's going to win the cold war but uh think about michael collins little they realized space was worth shit think about michael collins for a second I was reading up on him a little bit. They go to the goddamn moon, Brad, in a little tin can, right? With a smaller tin can attached to that tin can. It took him, mm -hmm. like, however long. I should know this. I just read about it. I don't know. Days to get out there. Mm-hmm. And he, Michael Collins, being the pilot of the main craft, they get to the moon. They're orbiting around the moon. And then... Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong shoot down off of the main thing and like gently crash <laughs> into the surface of the moon and like mm -hmm. jump around for a while. Michael Collins now is sitting in the tin can, the slightly bigger tin can, by himself in space and has to orbit the moon by himself in the complete pitch blackness for a little while out of radio contact with the earth out of radio contact with his buddies who just gently crashed into the surface of the moon not knowing if they were alive or dead and he said if they were dead and like had crashed or disabled the eagle they called it the landing unit then he was gonna i think he said something like head straight towards Earth forthwith <laughs> and leave them there, knowing that he would forever be a pariah and be hated, basically. But to go down there and then crash the bigger tin can into the surface of the moon was to 
condemn them all to death. Well, sure, yeah. So, like, why would you do it? You wouldn't. Well, eh, we fucked up. They're down there, and they have no way to get back up. See you guys. And then he would come home and leave them there. Right. So that's a thing he had to think about as he orbited the moon. Well, did you ever see that, that speech they had? Who's they? For Nixon. Like, a, like they had at the White House. Like he had two speeches. Oh, like right. the speech to read in case they died. The good one and the bad one. Yeah. No, I don't think I've seen that. And it's out there. Like you can see it. Like you can read it. It's crazy. I bet it is. Like such a weird like, you know. He, I don't know. He probably had three speeches. You know, he probably had the one where yeah. it all went good. The one where it all went bad, and the one where only Michael Collins comes home. You know, don't blame this man. He could not have helped them. And that was also another XKCD comic. The one time, like, who has been like the most isolated person, human being in the history of the world? And it was probably Michael Collins for like I don't know, forty-five minutes or something, as he was orbiting the moon. <sighs> yeah. Well, and, you know, the moon, I guess, you know, it's the 45th anniversary of the the moon landing. So that's why this is all on our mind right, right now. Right. But uh, not to date to, it or anything. Right. And to think about the, again, turning into, again, an amateur science <laughs> podcast for a moment. But, you know, the thing that's crazy is. I think even amateurs being a little generous. Like when you think about. Like, like when the space shuttle goes up there in orbits and like there's the International Space Station, like if you look at, let's say you have a globe in your hand, right? Those things are really only like barely perceptibly off the surface of that. It would be difficult to like hover your finger above the surface of the globe in at like the distance above the earth right they are your finger the, the thickness of your finger is probably too thick right right but then the moon oh, compared like to it. let's let's say a standard desk globe is like i don't know down the it's, block it's it's not really quite down the block but it's maybe like two houses away 10 feet no it's more than 10 feet 20 feet just maybe um, 20 all right maybe 20 feet i was going to at first i, mean, I was going to say like the other end of the house. Yeah. But yeah, it's something like But again, insane. Like those manned moon flights oh. are so much more intense than any of this other stuff we have going on. And, well, I mean, you can tell also when you look at the freaking rocket for that thing. For what, the Apollo mission? Again, another thing I noticed at the, yeah, at that Kennedy Space Center, like those Apollo rockets. Big boys. Huge. <laughs> It, like they were, I don't have the words for it, but they're just, they dwarf everything else. And those are the ones that like first stage rockets that detach, right? Yeah. That's to get it into orbit, basically. Yeah, first it has to get out Escape of the, yeah, velocity. Right. Yeah, strap yourself onto a giant, incomprehensibly powerful bomb and light it on fire so that you hurtle out into the darkness of space. <laughs> You know what else is crazy? Keeping on this for a bit is like, if they have any bare metal, like when they go on spacewalks and have to do little repairs or take tools out, they have to wrap them in like special blankets. Because if they're, if they stay in the direct, because there's not, space 
doesn't have a temperature, you know? Right. Objects in space have temperatures, but space itself doesn't. So you put an object out in space, and if it's indirect sunlight over the course of however long, that thing can get like, like, I don't know, like 200 degrees Celsius or something. Like something insane. Right. Just because the sun is hitting it. <laughs> and if it's. I hope Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't listening to this. Oh, he's going to be so pissed. <laughs> The oh. least we could have did is looked up some basic facts, yeah. but I had no idea we'd get into this well, topic. Neither did I. But then, you know, they have to be careful, like the s- suits are heated and cooled, depending on if they're in the sun or out of the sun, because the temperature fluctuations are mind-boggling, like hundreds of degrees, depending on if you're in the shade or the sun, because it's the only source of, of heat. Mm-hmm. There is no cold, you know, it's just heat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, boy. If ne- I think he lives in my town, too. Isn't he in D.C.? That'd be embarrassing Could. if I ran into him and he was like, now listen, you jackass. <laughs> stop <laughs> stop perpetuating your particular brand of asinine madness. Oh, Brad, what have we done? What have we done? We've got to move on. Yeah, let's move on before we embarrass ourselves even further. <laughs> even further. At least you use the word Euclidean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Euclidean, <laughs> non-Euclidean. I cover right. all the bases, man. All the Euclidean or non-Euclidean bases. Happy birthday, Euclid. Okay. I don't even know if you ever said it, but we're at the halfway point of the podcast. That was the whole point of, like, we got into numbers whole... and shit, like point yeah so there's going to be 118 episodes the last episode in particular should be pretty uh kick ass it'll be the last 10 seconds 12 seconds of the credits so but yeah we're at the halfway point so there we go all right any more revisits uh um i can't do it i saw a bat outside chasing a cicada and it's not mm. It's not the 17-year cicadas, so there's, like, only one. And he comes up out of the ground, and he's kind of like, this is bullshit. I thought there was going to be a million virgin cicadas for me to court. And now he's the only one flying around. And there's, like, six bats going crazy. Which, you know, you land a cicada, you're done for probably two days. Like, that's a feast fit for a king bat. Bat King, but the, these cicadas fly so erratically. You ever seen a cicada try to fly around? I don't think I have. Oh, they can't do it. They are terrible. They bash into buildings. They they weave this like <laughs> madman circuitous route through the sky. Like boom, and then they'll just bash into a tree or something. And so I'm like, that bat is never gonna catch that cicada. But then I realized. Actually, my wife realized, it's like, wait, the bat has the cicada. So the bat is winging its way around with the cicada buzzing in its mouth. And he's flying all crazy because the other bats are like winging into him and smashing into him trying to get this juicy king's bat king's bounty. So that happened just before I came in. At least you have bats. 
I know, there's a couple more bats than there were a few years ago because they're having trouble. So I'm glad to see them. You don't have bats there? Yeah. Bats are, there are very few. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. I want there the bats. There are, yeah. I like whole, the bats. Yeah, there's whole caves that used to be filled with bats and now they're just empty. It's mites or something? It's the uh, white nose syndrome. White nose syndrome. Which I believe it's some sort of disease. And I can't really go into more detail than that because I don't know without looking it up or remembering. But in essence, there's this disease that's just ravaging bat community nationwide, worldwide. I believe it's at least nationwide. Yeah. But it, on the surface, it looks like we have a couple more bats than we had like two or three years ago. And I still feel bad for throwing the rock up there. I guess we talked about that. Here's the problem. I never know. Like, I have, I talk to myself in my head a lot, and then I tell stories to people around me, and then I don't know if I've told these stories. And I have this terrible feeling that we just say the same things. Every 10 episodes, we just tell the same four stories, Brad. Yeah. That's probably happened. I've been that's been a fear in the back of my mind for a while. We wouldn't know because we don't listen. Yeah, we don't. It's really a problem. (laughs) Well, the thing is, when I do listen, even though I have no recollection, like I could listen to an episode from a year ago, and even though I don't really remember it at all, I know exactly what I'm going to say before I say it because it's the same thoughts are in my head. Because yeah, the same thoughts are in there. You've either told it to yourself. Or like, yeah. a family you mentioned the space pen, and I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you, but I know exactly what I'm going to say. And right. even the weird, sometimes even the weird phrasing that I'll use, it's just the same. I know it. I know it. Like grotesquerie. You said that one time. <sighs> anyway, I don't want to get into the. I had another 99% invisible reference because they were getting into a deep dive with the movie Trading Places. And I will just say, anybody who listens to this should listen to 99% Invisible, because that show is awesome. I've gone through like 87 episodes in the last two months. I'm way behind the times, but I love it. But they had one episode where they were like getting into the nooks and crannies of a movie, which spoke to me in a special place. So, Were they growing into the nooks and crannies like the social? No, the economics. Message? The economics, yeah. Kind of the same thing. I guess that's more what I meant, but yeah. So, But it was like pretty granular, and it was, you know, about like the like futures and commodities traders, you know, the Mortimers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how that movie is pretty revered among actual like Merc guys. And like the lines from the movie have entered the lexicon and it's just like it's like saying the dude abides basically like some of their actual lines like sell mortimer sell or the duke brothers are buying oranges or whatever like they just hear it all the time it's just a wow more than a cliche at this point that's fascinating because the movie nailed that world so perfectly and i don't want to ruin you should just go listen to it. It's, I'm going to go listen to that. I have to hear that. It's like episode that really good. 86 or something. It's from July of 2013. But yes, I highly recommend it. 
fascinating. And I am not an economics person, but it was, I am a movie person. So, yeah, incredibly fascinating. You will not regret it. So anyway, that covers the revisits. <sighs> so now we're actually ready to, to go through the halfway point here. I guess so. I guess playing the minute now is the official halfway of the halfway, right? Yes. It won't officially be halfway until this episode is over, I guess, because it's an even number. Right. Right. Okay. That's fine. But yeah, let's do it. Play the minute. All right. Changes. Fucking Nazis. They were Nazis, dude? Oh, come on, Donnie. They were threatening castration. Uh-huh. Are we going to split hairs here? No. Am I wrong? Well, he... he man, they I'm were on. nihilists, man. Huh? They kept saying they believed in nothing. Nihilists. Fuck me. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of National Socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, let's not forget, dude, that keeping wildlife, um, an amphibious rodent for, um, you know, domestic, within the city, that ain't legal either. What, are you a fucking park ranger now? No, I'm just trying to offer- a shit about the fucking marmot? We are sympathizing here, dude. Fuck sympathy. I don't need your fucking sympathy, man. I need my fucking Johnson. What do you need that for, dude? You've got to buck up, man. We have returned. So there it is. They continue their conversation at the bar, at the bowling alley. The three of them. The three of them. The dude's irritation continues to grow. Mounting irritation. As it started at the end of, of last minute, it continues here. I don't know if irritation is the right word for the, the end of last minute. It was more like resigned well, the, pessimism or something. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's kind of feeling the pressure. He's, he's, he's seriously concerned for his Johnson. Yeah. I don't know what he needs it for, but he is the, concerned the, for it. The briefcase wasn't in the car. <sighs> what does he need his Johnson for, though? Well, PA, right? basically. Well, I'm sure they could work that out. How? What does that look like? If you get your Johnson, I'm not cut sure off, what it looks like. Pee? But people have that happen. There's still an right? opening somehow yeah but it would like self-cauterize or something wouldn't it wouldn't it close up uh you could probably medically do do something you probably have to have like a man-made like tube that sticks out somehow but then you need a little cap why would you need a man-made tube well how do you keep the flesh is going to naturally want to seal itself off to keep out the invaders. Eh, maybe I see what you mean. Yeah, maybe like yeah, it doesn't have to be like a tube that comes out like a penis, but no, it could just no. be a little just a just a little like ring around the opening right. to keep it open or something. Plastic, some sort of epoxy. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be, but then then it's open yeah. all the time. So then you'd need some sort of like fitted, like maybe knit cap. Probably wouldn't well, this, want a knit cap. It might stick. Yeah. Well, it needs this, some covering. I mean, this happens, right? I guess it We could probably happens. look this up and figure out. There's you been know, famous cases what do they do? of people getting their Johnsons cut off, right? Well, there's a famous case just recently Was in the there? news. Really? Have you heard about this? No. I don't. Rapper Andre Johnson. 
He cut his own penis off. Brad. The best thing that ever happened to me, like (laughs) I've probably said this 20 times, is iGoogle got closed down because I don't see any... I had little news apps on there and they'd update constantly throughout the day and I'd have this like river of shit flowing into my ears and eyes all day long and I just don't see any of that anymore. But go ahead. I know what you mean. Andre 3000 cut his own penis off. Okay. Andre Johnson, not Andre 3000. You're not talking about the wide receiver for the Houston Texans. I, I, I don't know. It's not mentioned here. I don't know if he raps. He's just mentioned as a rapper. Hmm. This is from CNN. The rapper who mutilated himself and then jumped from a Los Angeles building has broken his silence about what happened. Wait, he... This is from July 16th, 2014. So mutilate could mean a lot of different things. Well, Andre Johnson was severely (laughs) injured in April after he severed his penis and leaped from the second level of a building in North Hollywood. Second level, he wasn't trying too hard. He told E that he was under the influence of drugs at the time, but insisted that he knew what he was doing. Quote, yes, I was using drugs that night, but I was in complete control. I cut it off because that was the root of all my problems. My solution to the problem was the realization that sex is for mortals and I am a god. Those kinds of activities got me into trouble and I came here to be a god. End quote. And he said that after he was theoretically sober again? <laughs> I guess so. Okay. Johnson performs under the name Christ Bearer. But his name his is group... Johnson, Brad. How <laughs> long are we going to go before we mention this? His name is fucking Johnson. Johnson? Johnson? I was talking about my rug. <laughs> he performs under the name Christ Bearer. And his group North Star was affiliated with the Wu Tang Clan. I'm affiliated with Johnson the said he hadn't Clan, spoken out sakes. on the incident before because, quote, I people perceived me as crazy, so I never wanted to speak wholeheartedly on the matter. End quote. Doctors weren't able to reattach his penis, he told E. Why did he even let them try if that's the root of all his problems? Yeah. Well, maybe he was incapacitated. Maybe. So. Quote, I didn't want to kill myself. That was just my response to the demons. They were doing their best to get to me, but being alive solidified my thoughts. I'm alive. Penis or no penis. <laughs> that's a quote? Penis or no penis? That's a, that's a quote. What, is he on Twitter? Maybe we could tweet at him. How do you pee, and how much of the penis did you take off? You know, is it a n- n- nub? Like, can you see... It's going to heal over, right? So it's it's probably looking like like concave in some way and then at the center of this concave area is an opening with some sort of interior man-made thing or maybe the man-made like tube can get removed eventually once the skin and the healing process settles down then you just have this opening well, they could make some sort of fake penis, maybe? Because they do sex reassignment. Right, right, right. So they must, you know, they could theoretically give him something back. Just to make it easier. It might just not, it may not function the same way anymore, at least 
in a sexual manner, but at the very least, they could give him some sort of like a downspout, meat, meaty thing to urinate through. A meaty gutter downspout, just yeah. to get the urine a little. It's like when you have. So I'm dealing with this outside my house right now. You have gutters. You, you want to send the water away from the foundation. You know, it's not doing anything magical, but it pours down off the roof. It goes in the gutter, down the downspout, and then there's the little offshoot, and sometimes you have the little, like, they look like little rivers or little waterfalls, and you put it under the downspout, and it channels the water away from your foundation. In this case, his body is the foundation. Uh, his interior workings are the downspout. But then he's without the little river thing or underground channel to funnel it away from his body. So they could give him an artificial one of those just to like make it easier. Like, I'm urinating now. Let me move the urine away from my body. Because you wouldn't Something, want it just right there next to you. Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter, right? I mean, that's women. Then you'd be a woman, right? Work the same way. <laughs> so, and they seem to be doing fine. But after a but, lifetime of standing up to pee, eh, I think you could get used to it. But I've already gotten used to it. It's actually pretty luxurious. Anyway, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, let's face it. Why stand when you can sit? You don't have to worry about aim. Nope. Nope. Or any kind of like rogue. Splash over. Rogue anything that might happen sometimes. (laughs) Rogue anything. You know, you don't want. Sometimes there's some rogue rogue angles are involved. Cleanup crews coming in there because you're the cleanup crew. You're not going to own up to it. Like, really? You're going that way? Anyway. So. I can tell when you're done with it because you you go, yeah, okay, let's move on. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's it's fascinating, and I'm down with maybe doing some more research over the next week to come back to this question of how you deal with this, right? If they they uh, were to cut off his Johnson medically, what would happen? But the, I think that's a good topic, and it's worth is, though, Brad, revisiting. You're gonna so we have, could probably find some sick medical shit out there that explains it. YouTube videos. You're going to have pictures and videos. That's the problem. I would prefer just the words. I don't know if I can <laughs> handle the images. Remember the face reconstructive surgeries, burn surgeries we used to watch? With they would use that Dremel tool to like no. slough off the guy's neck skin. And then, like, they had to take the one person's face off, so they cut around the scalp, like, the hairline, like, just cut in there. It looked like the little saw blade that you'd put on a Dremel tool. And then they just put their fingers, they had gloves on, but they put their fingers into the cut, and then ripped down, like, Worked it off as if you were taking off a Halloween mask, except it was the flesh from their forehead and their face, and their eyes were exposed. <laughs> and the scalp is really thick. It looked like, um, I don't know if you've ever cleaned off like a pork shoulder when they leave the skin on, <laughs> you know, and you have to cut it off, and you're tearing, ripping, and the tearing. It looked like that. So, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Um, so okay, rapper Andre Johnson severed penis. Where were we here? Um, 
Okay, nuts are gross. That's where we were. Andre Johnson, severed penis, nuts are gross. That's a nice segue. Pe- yeah. People people shove their hand into these baskets of nuts. Their hands. Even just in this minute when you watch the dude, like he's rubbing his hand through his hair. Now, he's a fairly clean guy, but he's still putting his hand, like r- rubbing it through his hair. And then he's shoving his hand down into this basket full of nuts. And then, like, putting his hand in his mouth and eating them. And then you just kind of pass the basket of nuts around. Other people walk up. They take some nuts. It's got his hair oil, his dandruff, flecks of skin, his saliva. Maybe he didn't wash his hands after he used his Johnson to go to the bathroom. His prosthetic or otherwise Johnson. You know, you don't know what's in those nuts. And people just eat. That still happens. I still see this kind of thing sure. out there. It doesn't bother me. Are you serious? This is your whole. I mean, like, on some level, I realize it's wrong. You live in the world, and you have to have some germs, kind of thing. But yeah, something like that just doesn't bother. You me. get them just from walking around, man. You don't have to seek them out. It's gross. It's disgusting. You have no problem. Like if you were at a bar in a bowling alley, and there's a basket full of nuts there, you'd eat some. Yeah, take a deep breath. Where are you? Think about what people are doing in this place. Rubbing their hands on the chicken wing greasy bowling balls. Yeah, I mean... Everybody's touching everything. I might not. It depends. Look at the curiously still man in the background. He's touching his penis and touching these nuts. But if it's like a thing where it's like, you know, usually... Yeah, you sit down. It's not just a thing of nuts. I mean, I'm used to... Okay, me and my two associates sit down at the bar, and then the bartender puts out like a thing of nuts. I I can sort of get us. behind that. It's like having chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. You know, yeah, everybody's reaching like, their hand in there. You try to only, but touch even with one. the but the chips, the thing is, the chips are easy to just take you one and get not one. really. You don't right. dig your hand no. through it the way you do with the nuts. With the nuts, right? Yeah. So. But I mean, you're going to offend some people if you're like, no, I'm not eating those nuts. Why? Because you guys are touching them and you're disgusting. So you, it's almost Truth like hurts, you though. have to eat a nut or two. But I, I don't, like, I think... Eat a couple of the... Like, especially yeah. at bars, like, they're just out there. They're called beer nuts for a reason. I don't know what the reason is, except that you drink beer when you're eating them, usually, I guess. We used to have beer nuts at the bar and we'd put them out in a little basket and leave them there. People shove their hands into them and eat them. Gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And like I was saying, I mean, it is gross. It's gross. It's gross, but you're okay with it on some level. I'm okay with it. Maybe I wouldn't eat them. I definitely don't have a problem when it's like a group of us and it's like our basket. But you still wouldn't eat them. Which you could say that's what's happening here. That could be what's happening. We don't. I would eat them, but the thought of it, like the thought of the greasy, disgusting bowling alley, everyone sharing the nuts, I might not eat it, but it doesn't really gross me out. I don't have a visceral reaction to it. I don't have a visceral reaction to it unless you put me in that chair and said, now you're going to dig your hand in there and 
put those nuts in your mouth. Then I might. Maybe. It depends. Like you said, if it's just the three of them here, it's only these three close friends sharing them, I might be okay with it. But if it was just like a basket of nuts that was on the other end of the bar and he slid it down, oh, they're sitting here, I'll slide this down, you take it now, I would not touch them. Yeah. But, you know, it was the early 90s. It was a... <laughs> A different time. <laughs> Look at this guy back there, Brad. Yeah, there is a guy back there, like reading the paper. Or he doesn't something. move. He barely. Is moves. he even really a guy? Maybe he's a cardboard cutout. You could argue that he's a cardboard cutout. Why are the Cohen brothers employing cardboard cutouts? They can't find a guy to hold that seat down. <laughs> I was thinking the same right? thing. That's because we tell Little the same Simpsons stories reference. over and over. We yep. have no new thoughts. Fucking Nazis. It's always the same. Getting back to the nuts, though, they do a nice little sound design there where the nuts are probably not nuts. When the dude digs his hand into there, it's probably like... I wish they would have talked about this in our textbook, but it's probably like... They probably repurposed the Jesus's bag of bird seed and put it into like a glass and like shoved a cucumber into it or something. I got Johnson on the brain, the cucumber. But you know, it's something like totally different than a hand going into a thing of nuts. If you want to go check hand it out. Hand into the nuts, 50, cucumber into the bird seed. Right. 5813. I believe, is when that happens. No, it's 5809, a little before that. But yeah, it's, you know, they do all these crazy things to simulate sounds in order to meet our aural expectations. Yeah. When <laughs> the dude is like, I think at this point he's chewing on ice from his drinks and Walter starts going into his Oh, and also, let's not forget, let's not forget, keeping a, whatever, right. the aquatic, blah, 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 keeping wildlife, an amphibious rodent for um, domestic, right at 5838, the dude looks at him, he's still chewing, and then it's getting so ridiculous, Walter's trying so hard to appease him, he actually stops chewing. And it's just staring over at him. And then so does Donnie. And they're both just looking at him like, are you insane? What are you talking about? They're both baffled by this. And I wanted to, yeah. I saw what you There's wrote There's a great here. frame of like both of them kind of with their necks kind of craned looking at Walter right. in disbelief. The dude's kind and of. And really only is for a, 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 a fleeting moment that the two of them are kind of in sync, in sync in that way. Like and it's, it is seconds, a beautiful maybe. thing if you notice it. Oh, it's beautiful. The dude's got to like reach his neck out a little farther because he's looking around, Donnie. But I wanted to point that out because you, you wrote something down here, and I'm I'm jumping all around, but I don't care. Sure, that's fine. Um, I I guess it's your last note. My my last note. Oh, about uh, you mean does Walter think he's partly to blame? Right. Yes, and he's grasping right for these words about the marmot. That's some of the. Thing. I mean, so ultimately, so, I mean, before we get into that, I think we have to get into this whole idea about, uh, you know, so the dude is is lashing out at Walter, I would say. That's how I would describe it. Um, you know, and it's something that I can relate to. It's definitely something I do and I try not to do. 
but it's only something I do like in my head where things start to go wrong and I start to maybe blame other people mm-hmm. or look at try to like I find that point where it all went south. Like if only instead of having Doritos, I had the Tostitos that morning, like it all none of this would have happened, right? Like that thing and that stupid person that gave me the Doritos, right? Like you you're kind of trying to in some way Remove the responsibility from yourself. You're blame shifting. You're kind of blame shift. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but, it, you, you know, you just have this kind of, usually comes, you know, there's this kind of stress. There's this pressure. Things are crowding in and you just, you, it's kind of like being cornered psychologically. This isn't you, the first you, you, time. You kind of lash out that way. And I agree with you completely, but this isn't the first time that we've seen the dude react this way. He reacted this way. Remember when he was apoplectically angry? Right. You no, know, he was lashing I w- out then. Although I would say he was totally justified then. Well, he's kind of justified now. Well, that's the it's question. It's still he, the same issue. You know, he's, he's still kind of justified about it. and kind of not. So he was, I think his apoplexy when they were walking out of the bowling alley before was Walter's just complete and utter inability to recognize that there might be a problem with how that drop went down right it's not even that he screwed up the drop it's just that like he's just like well yeah well, what's the problem like right explosion fire seeps out the eyeballs because the dude is thinking i know you understand you asshole you're pretending you know yeah. it's like you get it or or you're so worked up like you think the other person is really that clueless Whatever it is, right? Like, I don't know if Walter was really pretending or, like, what was going on. But, like, the dude... Like, you just need the other person to admit their wrongdoing, please. It would just feel better. Well, that's my whole thing. It's like, that's what I always think when I'm in these situations where I get mad and I start lashing out, like I'm psychologically cornered. I always assume the other person, oh, you know. You know. You're just not letting on. I always assume that. And usually it's not correct. You know, you're just working yourself up and you have yeah, all these like no, reasons definitely. and crazy scenarios that you've come to these conclusions with that nobody has followed you down that uh, that mental maze, you know? Right. So, I mean, the dude, he first starts off blaming Walter. You know, he's like, this whole thing, you know, I could just be sitting here with pee stains on my rug. Right. Walter's like, yeah. Again, it was Walter, you know, blaming Walter because Walter, his idea, hey, you should go see the Big Lebowski. Right. You know, get make him get the new rug. And the dude was totally on board with that idea. He was totally idea. on board at that point. He was like, hey, that's 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 interesting. Now, that's fucking interesting, man, right? right? Like, he was on board. It wasn't Walter didn't, like, really twist his arm too much. Nope. And really, the dude, I think, you know, I don't think we talked about this before, but it really is a suspect plan because if you have like money is owed and there's thugs coming beating down doors and peeing on rugs and dunking your head in the toilet do you really want to like go back into that world right and like go and like be like hey get me a rug i've got a rock there's a giant yellow jacket's nest hanging above my head let me throw this rock at that yeah like, you don't want to enter that world unless something like this is going to happen. You're going to, you know, castration will be threatened. <laughs> yes. Like, he, he really didn't think it through. It was probably somewhat unwise. 
Um, to be fair. You know, it's just now that it went south, he's like, oh, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm going to blame Walter. It was his stupid idea, right? He was stoned, so. Yeah. Now, granted, Walter screwing up the drop. That's a big one because. That's different. Mm. That's he. The, the dude doesn't specifically bring that up. But yeah, so Walter, I would say, is somewhat to blame there in that regard. Although so I would he say, does say, I could be sitting here with pee stains on my rug. And really, the pee stains are the dude's fault. So the dude is probably thinking about the drop that went south. But really, it is the rug retrieval that started all of this. Mm-hmm. And that is mostly on the dude, not Walter. Walter's no saint in all of this. But yeah, all he did was mention that, hey, this other Lebowski might have something to do with it, you know? And then the dude went off. And so I I guess your point is that Walter, for once, is actually understanding to some point, not totally, but he's at least trying to sympathize here. Yeah. The fact that he's sympathizing, I think, is interesting, because that's not a trait we've really seen in Walter, I don't think. No, I don't think. Because when the dude, when the drop went south, he was not sympathizing. Well, maybe empathizing is a better word. Maybe he's empathizing. Yeah. I mean, sympathy is the word that, sympathize is the word Walter actually uses in this scene. Right. But, but but yeah, but in either case, either whether it's sympathy or empathy, so I'm not even 100% sure what the difference would be. Empathy I is guess. being, like sympathy, I guess, is more just feeling sorry for somebody else, but empathy is being able to see yourself in their position. So Like sympathy would mean feeling the same way. Empathy would be... Sympathy, feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Okay. So maybe he is sympathizing. Maybe he is accurate. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another, which he does not have at all. So he is, in fact, sympathizing. Sympathizing. And he is... But again, maybe this does stem from the fact that he does feel some guilt over this situation. Perhaps rightly or wrongly. Well, rightly. I mean, he did kind of bully his way into the drop and then... As far as they know, messed it up. Mm -hmm. The dude's going to, probably when we see the dude at the end, and he's getting the two oat sodas from Gary, and he's all kind of happy because they're doing well in the bowling thing. You can tell he and Walter have made up completely. They probably may have had a little acknowledgement of, you know, maybe apologizing for some of these lash outs at Walter, realizing that, you know, Walter could have screwed up the drop royally, but in fact he didn't. Like, nothing that happened was because of that. It would have happened anyway, no matter what you did there. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. You just gotta stop me. It's very bright. If you just want to... This is a weird thing that happens. Two things here. This is this is a visual note. It's very bright. So if you pretend like our three characters are not in front of us, sitting at a bar here, like just just imagine you're staring into the distance and you can see the pins and the bowling alley and the lanes and the um pin lift pin setters mm-hmm. and all that back mm-hmm. there, right? Just so that's Now, establish that as your baseline for the level of brightness in this bowling alley back there, 
which that's going to be the brightest part of this entire room. It's back there where the pins are. Bowling alleys, for the most part, they keep them a little dimmer. But you want to be able to see the pins. There's light back there. They're lit. Okay, now reintroduce the foreground. Our three main characters sitting at the bar. Look at how bright their faces are compared to what should be the brightest thing in the room in the back where the pins are. That is about the same level of brightness. Yes. What kind of bar is it that you would want to sit at that is that bright? Bright like the surface of the sun. Bright. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it seems bright like the surface of the sun. I mean, it very well may have been lit that way. Like if you were actually on the set. Okay, that's getting to what I'm getting at, though. That's kind of my point, is that this is not lit in any way like reality. But well, I don't. I since don't know it's if a I movie, agree. we just we accept it somehow. Well, do you mean it's not lit like reality, or do you mean? I mean, I feel like what they've created here is something that seems very natural. It does until you really look at it. And case in point, look at very still man in the midground. Look at his face. Yeah, that is. It's because that is the actual level of light in this environment. Well, except- the rest of it, the pins back there, there are lights. They've hidden them up there and they're lighting all of that. And the bar in the foreground, they're lighting this. You wouldn't, you'd barely be able to open your eyes. You can kind of see Donnie squinting a little bit all the time. Maybe it's his character, but everybody's kind of like, there's these lights in their faces. Except mid-ground, curiously still man, he is drenched in shadow. But in real life, right, if you're actually in a bowling alley and standing at the bar, looking at these people at the bar, looking past them, it would like it, you wouldn't, it wouldn't look... It, it like, would approximate this, but only because... Your eye is a better camera than this camera. Exactly. Your eye has much, much better dynamic range. Right. And I would even go so far to say that guy in shadows, like he wouldn't look like he's in shadows. So, I mean, yes, you have to light. No, because you, you wouldn't be able to focus on them at the same time, you know? It's like if you did, in fact, look at him, your eye would magically, like, <laughs> iris open a little bit, you know? Without you even noticing it. Maybe. In addition to the greater dynamic range. But, you know, it's your yeah. eye is constantly adjusting. Yes. And this, you can't be doing that in this situation because everything be getting darker and lighter. You would so, I mean, if it. they didn't light it this way, we'd have three silhouettes at the bar <laughs> and bowling pins in the background. Right. But if you, again, but if you actually went to a bowling alley, you wouldn't see three silhouettes. You'd actually be able to see these people and their features. That's what I'm saying. This, it still doesn't resemble reality because it's kind of like the moon illusion. Like, once you see what's happening, it's impossible to unsee it. And, like, if you were here at this bowling alley, yeah, they wouldn't look like three silhouettes. You could see their faces. You could see the background. But underneath the bar in this little alcove on the <laughs> bottom left, you'd also see everything in there. And like yeah, you no, said, curiously still, man... His face would look pretty much the same as the dude's and Donnie's and Walter's face. Yes. You know, everything yeah. would be, except for the pins themselves and that back area, everything would kind of look the same. But even the pins wouldn't be that bright. I just, 
I wish you could take a picture with your eye and put it next to this, but then that would, of, uh, you know, observing the environment will change the environment. So, I'm kind of surprised that they can't make a camera like our eye. They're getting I closer. They're getting closer, and I guess what I mean by that is. Not that they can't simulate what our eye does, like, electrically, like with a yep. type of sensor you'd find in a camera. You mean like an organic camera? As much as, like, yeah, why can't, like, you'd think, I mean, obviously, I guess we're not, you know, we're only at the cusp of doing this, but I don't know. In 10 years, is your cell phone going to have an actual eye in it? That you have to, like, put eye drops in and, like, yeah, clean out the eye boogers and blinks. Right. <laughs> But then it'll take a picture that's just as good as your eye. But then sometimes you'll set it on your nightstand and it won't close, even though you asked it to. Uh, and then it's looking yeah. at you all night. And then you either have to put something over it and know that you hurt its feelings or let it stare at you all night long. So I was thinking you meant you put it down because usually, like, you know, the, the camera is on the back. So you put your phone down back right. on the table, but like it doesn't close its eye. So it's just pressing, so pressing this against the into the table. And that's just uncomfortable dusty to think about. nightstand. Well, it's either it's a, that you press its eye eyeball directly into your dusty ass nightstand or you don't. And then it's, it's like, and it has to, the thing is it has to like look over directly like 90 degrees. So it's just 90 degrees looking over at you as its master, whom it loves all night while you sleep. I don't like that either. There's no good option. You can do put it in the drawer. Get little like, what are those things called? The night visors that you wear, like women in the 1950s wore. Right. You do that, I guess. It's very Cronenberg. <laughs> that is a Cronenberg-y Like I'm imagining device. like, you know, you can put on the inside instead of, you know, the circuitry and stuff, you could actually put like a brain. So I imagine like an iPhone, but this incredibly like rectangular, skinny brain that would be inside. You open up your iPhone. Except you know, then. Okay, like I'm going to open this up <laughs> and open it up. And in there is this like grayish pink brain matter. Right, right. Throbbing. Except if you were really Cronenberg, like. There'd be a place downtown you could go in like a back alley with like dripping water and exposed rusted metal and down underground and down these stairs and underneath with a bare light bulb to find this guy who would, instead of the power thing on the bottom, he'd install a vagina for you. And then at some point in that movie, it would give birth to a some sort of device maggot. And it would come squirming out in the night and then probably crawl into your eye. And you'd wake up with a maggot half out of your eye. Yeah, it's easy, you know. It's like you wake up and you're just like, there's just a little bit of tail like sticking up from beneath your bottom eyelid. And you have to try to quick grab it before it slides into your brain. And there's tails going. Um, well, okay. Okay, then. This is the most yeah, yeah. fleshy, gross, bloody episode ever by far. Uh, we talked about peeling off faces. Oh, we did talk about that and penis cutting. Penis right. cutting offs and me too. And now we're talking about the cell phone brain. Well, I won't vagina talk. maggot birth. <laughs> well, I won't talk about the time I took the video camera. 
and taped my ingrown toenail getting operated on. (laughs) And that doctor paid me a six-pack for doing that because I gave him a copy of it. He loved it. He thought it was great. He shows it to people. Donnie has one little moment where he almost sticks up for himself here and, like, questions Walter. He's trying to call him out on this Nazi business. He's like, Walter's like, fucking Nazis. It's at 58.13 again. Everything mm-hmm, happened mm-hmm. at 58.13. Donnie's kind of like, well, he didn't say they were, and actually starts to argue with him. And Walter, for once, doesn't tell him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Walter's kind of mellow in this He's scene. He's in a nice He's sympathizing, mood, you know? yeah. He's sympathizing. Just in a good mood. But then the dude, for once, is the one that ruins it. Normally, he'd want Walter to be in this mood, but it's actually so off-putting that it's probably making the dude feel worse because it probably feels fake, (laughs) you know? Yeah, but if you watch Donnie throughout this minute, it's pretty great. I mean, this is... He makes... I don't know. It's... Yeah, he's doing a good job and not saying much. Right, but he's doing a lot of kind of reacting to this oddball conversation but he's not he's not doing a lot you know but he's throwing in he's got gems but it's really easy to like raise your eyebrows and squint and mush your mouth up when you have no dialogue and you're trying to like react to these people you know you see people do it Mm -hmm. all the time it's like they're overdoing it he's he's pretty spot on with this yeah you know he goes from concern and confusion to honest questioning. What do you need that for, dude? What do you need that for, dude? <laughs> Which is kind of ironic, because normally I might agree with Donnie, because like, obviously the dude isn't going to be getting a whole lot of action, except I would say, he anytime is soon. Except he's about, to, he's about to get it. He's about to need it. Real now, imagine if he didn't have it, and Maud shows up and disrobes, and then he's got like a concave, like man-made, like urethra hole and no penis. That would be embarrassing. Love me, Jeffrey. Um, little problem. <laughs> little problem. Wow, that's just great. <laughs> There's an out-of-place bang. We're all over the place here. Uh, Not necessarily out-of-place. It's in the right place, but maybe the quality of its bang is a little off at 5817. And it's because there's a woman in the background who throws a rock, but she misses the pins, and it kind of goes through a little empty area on the left, and it hits the back. But it sounds as though the ball is hitting the front of the pin setter when it's down. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course you have. Embarrassingly so. Yes, me too. And it sounds very clangy. And this sounds a little too clangy for the ball to be missing all the pins and just hitting the back, because that usually has a bit of a softer sound to it. It's a little clangy. I don't know, maybe the um, the back of the pin area used to be harder in the early 90s? Or, But I yeah. don't think so. Or it's just, you know, this foley, they went whatever they did, right? Like, 
threw marbles at a baking sheet, like whatever right. it is they did to simulate this sound. It just wasn't quite, quite right. But it's not out front, so like it's kind of in the background. Yeah. It was good enough. Mm-hmm. Although good enough is not something. Or maybe that's what these people felt that would sound like. They were just simply wrong. Because you hear it, it's very like solid. <clears throat> maybe the Hollywood star lanes had some you know, especially solid pin area backgrounds. It's probably a name for that area back there. But I'm through all of my notes here, Brad. Do we have anything else that we need to get to? Should we call it? I think we can call it. All right, let's call it. Because, again, it's one of those minutes where the visuals aren't changing all that much. So, but I don't think that but, also that's not garlic powder. I think it's oregano on the in the foreground. The really really foreground. There's a little spice can or something there. Spice jar. Looks like oregano for like pizza. Oh, you got some what pizza. What are you talking about? Where is this? Bottom left corner by the plastic cups and the bottle of liquor. Yeah. There's the red, looks like a dirky or McCorm- McCormick spice jar like you'd have oregano in are you i in no way see that what are you talking about am i on a different does is my does my movie have a different crop than yours or something are we we gonna get into this bullshit what is your what time are you at it doesn't matter it's the same shot for the The whole thing right so right now i'm at 58 17 well that's where i am and i see like the 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 the, the cups, the plastic the cups? cups. Okay, yeah. it's d- immediately to the right of that. It's red. Immediately to the right of that is a is is more in the foreground. It's the red. It has a red top. Oh, it's a bottle of liquor. It's a bottle of liquor. Yeah, Brad. As I've been told before, I sometimes have a problem with perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Now go with me on a little. Now that you journey. say it, I see. Okay. I can see how you could because, like, okay, so below, right where the, the liquor the starts on the neck of the bottle, it's dark. Right, that's and so like, you could. There's think a little that's bit a of table. oregano in there, right? It, and then the yeah, shadow—that's a, a shadow mm. casting back on the table there. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from now. How that, how, like, if you kind of, like, if I kind of just, like, loosen up my eyes a little bit, like, looking at a magic, one of those magic eye puzzles, I see how you could think that's a little red bottle or something. Right. And it's still farther back than the cups, you know? That was always a part of it. But. Yes. Right. That's a bottle of liquor. That looks like a little spice jar. Hmm. Well, that's a bummer. I was kind of hoping they had some oregano you could, you know, sprinkle on your shitty pizza. They probably have it somewhere. Yeah, it's probably one of those huge industrial sized. That would have like a white cap and a white label probably. Or it would just be glass. They'd fill it from the huge industrial size, you know. They'd have the squat round. It would look like a slightly smushed down watermelon or like an acorn squash. They put the red pepper, crushed red pepper in it. The Parmesan cheese. I could really go for some bowling alley pizza right now. It's so shitty, but sometimes you just want it. Sometimes you just want it. Our friend John Fulton used to put, 
he'd get the jar of oregano with crappy pizza like that, and he would shake it out onto his slice of pizza. And then, you know, it's kind of like Mickey Mouse voice guy. Be like, oh, that's funny. And then he'd just be shaking. And then it became unfunny. It's like, what are you doing? Would you stop? It's stupid. He's shaking. He's shaking. Until it got to the point where it actually became funny again. And he had what looked like dark green astroturf covering. It was just a triangle of astroturf. You couldn't see any cheese or any crust or anything. It was covered, I shit you not, like the like a quarter inch, like the, the width of a like a pencil, a regular space pencil. That much oregano. He'd use at least half of those squat jars on one slice of pizza, and then he'd eat that shit. Yeah, I would not be able to eat that. No, I don't know how you and it's dry. It's not like it's fresh oregano, you know? It's like you might as well just take like a spoonful of oregano and eat it. It's awful. I've watched him do this. He claimed to enjoy it. He may have had a psychological disorder, though. So sad to say. All right. I don't have any questions for the quiz because um, I'm just, you know, not that prepared. The problem is I don't have them electronically, so I have to look at the picture and translate the words. And it's hard for me to function in that way. Yeah. If you can't copy and paste, it's like it doesn't exist. You know? Totally. So I don't have any of that, and I have no Lindsay Lohan news. She's been fairly quiet in the last week. So that's what I got. And, um... I gotta pee. So I'm gonna go hit the, uh... Next time on Gutterball. Do not drag this negative energy into the tournament.